helping people cope with and overcome life's challenges. This is Life Transformations with Michael Hart, Canadian Certified Counselor and Award-Winning Psychotherapist. Hi, thank you for joining us in this episode of Life Transformations. Today we have another interesting show lined up for you. Today we are going to be starting a series, a three-part series entitled Insights for Couples. And this first part of the series is Insight for Couples, the story of Adam and Eve. The second week, we're going to be looking at the story of Abraham and Sarah. And then following that, we will have the third part on Isaac and Rebecca. And this is going to be a very interesting three-part series. We're going to be drawing uh, insights from these Bible stories in a way that's very enlightening and in a way that's going to bring life to your relationship. Maybe there are some challenges that you're going on, you're going through in your relationship and you're looking for ways to deal with those challenges. Stay tuned for this series. It's going to be a very interesting and helpful one. As usual, we're going to be looking at these stories from a biblical but also a psychological perspective and we're going to be sharing these perspective in a way that's going to give you practical tools and practical tips to help you. So this week, it's part one, Insight for Couples, Adam and Eve. And with me in studio today to discuss this very, very important uh, first part of the series is my co-host, Melissa Waggett. Melissa, thank you very much for uh, being here with us today on the show and for, for, for helping us to discuss this very important topic. You're very welcome, Michael, and I'm really excited to go through this with you and I love that we're literally starting at the beginning. We picked the first couple ever to kick off this series and I think there's a lot of things that people may not have realized through the Adam and Eve story that are so applicable to our relationships that we're going through today. So they were the first, they created a lot of havoc for us, shall we say? <laughs> um, but they also have given us a lot of great lessons that we can apply to our relationships. Yes, yes. And I, I think the lessons that they give us can pres- can prevent us from having a lot of the headaches that we sometimes uh, suffer in life by heeding the, to the mistakes or learning from the mistakes that they made. And from joining some of these insights, we can save ourselves from a multitude of problems. So, Michael, you have described Adam and Eve as having this perfect family, but the, but in a way that it's the myth of the perfect family. And you wanted to discuss this because a lot of people, I think, go through life feeling like, oh, my goodness, if my family was just like my neighbors or they've got it all together. And there's this myth out there that there's this perfect family. That's right. floating around that we're all trying to obtain. Right. Yes, and and happiness is this thing that's always ahead of us. So that if we can only have the bigger house, if we can only drive the more fancy car, if we just had more money in in our account, then we are going to be healthy. But how much is enough? And if we look at the story of Adam and Eve, what we will notice is that they had everything. If you think about it, they had the perfect setting. They were in this garden, this paradise that was was just created. And so think about this paradise where everything is pristine, everything is perfect. And so there is nothing that is lacking for them materially. Not only did they have it all materially, but 
uh, Adam literally had the most gorgeous woman on the planet. Right? <laughs> She's like, yes, he she, did. She had the most gorgeous yep. man, right? There was. There <laughs> it's true, though. There was no one to look around at. There was at. nothing to compare her to, right? Or, or compare each other to. And they to, were literally so. made for each other. Absolutely. They were made, uh, Eve was made from Adam. They were one. As as one as you could be. Yes, absolutely. So they were one. They were created from each other. They they had a lot of things in common. There was a lot of distractions. They just had to take care of the garden. That's basically it. So when we talk about even things like couples having things that their mutual interest that they share and this is supposed to bring happiness. It's true to a certain extent, but those things sometimes can be uh, chasing rainbows because you can get there and you can still have this unsettled feeling. So they had everything. When we talk about uh, spirituality, they had they were more spiritual than any of us. They literally heard the voice of God every evening in the garden. And it's funny because you think sometimes when you think of your own spiritual walk, you may have had those moments where you felt God speak or be so close to you and you long for those periods. They literally had it every single moment of the day. Yes. Some of us can think back to maybe once in our life where you say, yes, I literally heard God's voice saying this to me and we make a big deal of it. But as you said, Melissa, they had, they heard the voice of God every day. So they couldn't have it more more they couldn't have things more perfect and so this should say to us that having having the the bigger things the better things the more spiritual life is not necessarily going to make you more fulfilled i think the, the the fulfillment that we seek can be in the present moment it shouldn't be this future thing because we can learn paul talks about being content being content where he is i've i've had it in abundance paul said and i've i've learned what it is to have a little but i am, can be content therein so we see from adam and eve that even though they had it all they were not content. And so contentment doesn't come from having more. Contentment doesn't come from being in a better shape or to have more devotions per week. You can have all of that and still not be be content. I think we become content when we need when we learn to focus on when we learn to deal with the present in a way that we can have peace in the present regardless of where we were. Where we are. So this myth of this future state that we are striving towards, and if we can only get there someday, we are going to be happy. It's just that it's a myth. We can learn to be happy. And the first lesson to couples is that happiness doesn't have to be this future state. Happiness can be where you are in your lack with the with the with the shortcomings in your life with the imperfections that you have because true happiness comes from learning that where wherever you are god can meet you there and you can have happiness with the right kind of mindset adam and eve they had it all but they didn't have the right mindset and so as a result of that as we will see when we look at some other some uh, some of the other insights they got into trouble. So one of the insights you wanted to talk about is boundaries within relationships and within our lives. And we see a boundary that God has set up 
for Adam and Eve in this story. And what what is that for those who may not be familiar? It's a very strange boundary when you think about it because God gives them this perfect garden and this paradise. There's, you know, where where they where, where they can they have everything that they ever needed. But He said the Bible tells us that in the middle of the garden He put this one tree and and forbade them to eat of the fruit of that tree. And so you think about it, why did God give them this boundary? And I have, I have wrestled with this and I have thought about it. And the more I think about it, I realize that this, this tree represented uh, a covenant between God and Adam and Eve. And it also represented a covenant between each other. Because there was no other vow that they could really make between themselves. So God had to create something to institute a covenant. And we serve a covenant-minded God. And so this tree represented that covenant. Think about it. What kind of vow would God give them? Let's think about Adam and Eve in the context of the marriage vow that we take today. So if they, if if God was to say forsake all others, it would not make sense, right? Because there was no others for for Adam mm-hmm. or for Eve to, to to forsake, right? That that wouldn't be relevant. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Or or in sickness and in health. There was no sickness. This is before the fall. Or until death do us part. Right? There was really nothing that they they, they could they could come up with, right, uh, that, that God could institute in that covenant between them because everything else, they had everything and there was, there was no chance, there was, there was no possible, none of those other vows would be relevant. So God created something that was symbolic. And I think this, this tree is symbolic as, of a covenant. And as couples, members in a relationship have a covenant with each other, but they also have a covenant with God. And so this covenant, with covenant you have boundaries, just like in any business agreement, there are restrictions. There are things that you can do to stay within the agreement or the covenant. And there are things that if you if you uh, do these other things, you step outside of the covenant. So God used the tree to symbolize this marriage covenant between Adam and Eve and this covenant between uh, Adam and Eve and himself. And I think in relationship, boundaries are very, very healthy. And so why are boundaries so important to have within a couple's relationship? Boundaries uh, help us to focus on our energy and the things that are important. I think uh, in this situation with the tree, uh, focusing your things on the things that are important. What was important in that is that Adam and Eve was supposed to cultivate a relationship in which the the importance, the obedience to God was paramount, and so uh, and the, the working together to please God was supposed to be Im- the most important. And so, in relationship, there are things that. Uh, should be important to us. And so the restrictions, the, the, the boundaries that God puts in place for us through his word is meant not as a killjoy, but is meant to protect us and is meant to help us focus on things that are important. But sometimes we want to throw those boundaries away because we feel that if we can just do without these boundaries, we are going to be happier. And I have seen many clients over the years that have come in and say, you know, I think back to my 
early time in my relationship, in my marriage, when I thought if I could just do these things, I would be happy. And they they strayed away from their marriage. They did those things. And looking back 20 years later, they're full of regret and sadness because they said these things that I think was restrictions, unnecessary restrictions, I wish that I had followed them because it led to nothing but heartache and pain. Boundaries also show discipline. Because I, I think discipline is very important for building character. And so God wanted to teach Adam and Eve a lesson about character building. And, and so he put that, that boundary there, just that one boundary to say, you can have everything else, but here is the one limitation. So it's very important as couples that you go through the boundaries in, in, in the Word and look at the boundaries that God has established for your relationship. But you also need to have boundaries for each other's. What are some of the things that will, you will permit in your relationship as a couple? What are some of the things that you won't permit? And so as you go through and you establish these boundaries, how can you have those conversations about what we will permit and what we won't permit? Because sometimes people have difficulty negotiating a boundary. So what, how can you start those conversations to establish those boundaries? Well, I think it's important to, first of all, have some kind of goal, like what it is that you're trying to accomplish as a couple. What's your purpose for having these boundaries? So the, so the first, the, as I said before, the, the tree, God had a, a purpose in mind for that. So if you're going to have boundaries, it, couldn't, it should not be arbitrarily. This boundary might help to draw us closer together. If we agree to these things, it draws us closer together. This boundary boundary that we have might protect us from uh, making mistakes or for putting ourselves in situations where we are going to be tempted above what we are able to withstand. This boundary might help us to, to focus more attention and energy inside the family instead of outside the family. So boundaries should not be arbitrarily set by any one member of the, the, the couple, but they should, you, as a couple, you should sit together and look look at the, the boundaries that you want to, to set. And sometimes it can be difficult conversation because a boundary could be uh, one of the boundaries that couple wrestle with when, when, they, when they form a, a relationship is just how much time should we spend with extended family members? What's healthy for us and what not healthy? What's not healthy? So the lesson from the tree is that even healthy things can become unhealthy. There is nothing wrong with that fruit of that tree. It was probably very nutritious. It was probably good. And all of those things that they were told by the, by the serpent were probably true. But it was not healthy for, for, for their relationship with God or for their relationship with each other. So once they partook of that, so once they partook of that, it opened a, a door, the door to a lot of, of heartache and pain. So as I said, uh, boundaries need to be set sometimes in your relationship for for healthy things, like how many weekends a month should we spend with the in-laws? How many, how many times a, a year should we visit or allow them to visit? And there's nothing to say that you don't love these people. Yes, you love them, but you also need to balance that against family time, against other things that are going on in the relationship. Because if you don't have these boundaries, then there is room for resentment to build, for bitterness to 
to, to begin to mount. And then you get into all of the unhealthy stuff, just as Adam and Eve did when they violated this boundary. If you've just joined us, you're listening to the Life Transformation Show. Today we are talking about insights for couples, exploring the story of Adam and Eve. This is the first of a three-part series. If you happen to miss the first half of today's show, we encourage you to listen to it at our website at elamcounselingministry.com. Elam is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. Or you can always call us at 613-699-1677. We'd be happy to give you a copy of today's show. Michael, you wanted to share a little bit with our listeners as well. What is Elam about and what events do we have coming up? Yes, just in case you're new to the show, Elam is a professional counseling organization that provides counseling from a Christian perspective. Uh, our counselors are qualified professionals, psychotherapists, social workers, uh, and so forth. And we have standings with pro- the professional bodies of counseling. And we provide counseling from a Christian perspective, as I have said. And most of the service, the services that we provide, I should say, is covered by most insurance companies. So if you're in need of help, give us a call. Uh, we are also a nonprofit organization. So we uh, ask uh, if you're in a position to help us meet the needs of others, then please consider making a donation uh to, to to our counseling service. We also have a retreat that is coming up. You might be interested in this. This is a time to get away, to to reflect on your life and to position yourself for healing, both emotionally and spiritually. And this healing retreat will be on the 17th of November at Providence Point, in Lanark. And it's on a first-come, first-served basis. We only have four spots remaining. And so if you're interested in registering, don't wait until November because it will be too late. And there's also an early bird deadline. If you register before the 1st of November, there is a $50 discount on the cost. So again, if you want to find out more about this, about Elim or about this retreat, go to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry.com. So, Michael, you were just talking about the importance of setting boundaries within a relationship. What are the consequences of breaking those boundaries? When boundaries are broken, there is a lot of unnecessary pain and suffering that develop for one or for both partners. And I know sometimes a person who doesn't like the boundary will think, oh, if I can only do this, then, you know, I'll be so much happier. I, re- I remember uh, one client that, that's, that said to me, like, when he was, when he just got married, he looked at other couples who were engaging in unhealthy lifestyles in what they call swinging. And so he thought to himself, oh, these people were having all the fun and I am missing out. They can do whatever. And now I have this restriction. I'm married to this one woman and it's kind of boring. And so he ventured away from his relationship and got into unhealthy lifestyle, sexual, become sexually promiscuous. And fast forward to many years later, he got himself into so much 
trouble to the point where even he contacted sexual disease and it, it became very, very what looked like freedom and greener pastures and like people who were having so much fun turned out to be disaster. And so boundaries protect us. When God gives those boundaries, it's it's to protect us. It's not to prevent us from from having fun because God is the one who invented pleasure. God is not a killjoy. He created those sense in us to have to be able to have pleasure. And so he he wants us to have pleasure, but he doesn't want pleasure to become destructive to us. Just like any good thing, if you overindulge in it, so indulge in it, it can become destructive. So what can we learn from Adam and Eve's reaction to breaking the boundary God had established for them? Well, we noticed a, a, a couple of things from the boundary. I think f- from breaking the boundary, I think the first was guilt. And let us zero in on the guilt and how they dealt with the guilt to begin with. So when they they felt guilt and God approached Adam about what he had done, that what Adam did is very typical of how we deal with guilt today in our relationship. And we can learn from from this by not tra- not repeating what he did. What Adam did when God confronted him was to blame everyone else but himself. Uh, he blamed God. You know, he blamed Eve. He said, "God, it's the woman that you gave me that caused me to 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 break this." boundary to break your 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 rule for us and so the first temptation when there is uh when 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 we have violated boundaries and we have done wrong thing the first temptation is to point the finger at someone else and so adam this did this and when god uh Turned to Eve, Eve also pointed a finger at the serpent and saying, it's a serpent that caused me to do this. And in, in essence, she was blaming God as well because she was saying, who made the serpent? God, it's you who made the serpent. And, and, and so in, in, when things go wrong in a relationship, there is guilt and we tend to want to deflect and to point the finger elsewhere. But a, a, a good insight for couple and a good lesson that couple uh, should adhere to when dealing with problems that come up in relationship as a result of things gone wrong is to unequivocally accept your part in the relationship. Pointing the finger elsewhere only creates more turmoil, only creates more conflict, and result in things becoming worse over time. It doesn't it doesn't fix anything. So I know it can be difficult sometimes to admit wrong, but it's very important not to try to deflect onto someone else. In what other way did Adam and Eve react when they were caught by God, so to speak, having broken that boundary. Right. We, we see the second the second thing that, that happened was that there was shame. There's a big difference between guilt and shame, and we sometimes put the two together and, and make them seem as if they are synonymous terms, but they are not, because uh, guilt said that I have done something wrong. Shame said there's something wrong with me. And so the covering of their bodies with the fig tree symbolized that shame. I now have something that is wrong with me and I have to try to fix it by covering up. So uh, oftentimes when things go wrong in relationship, uh, when people violate their vows or they do things that they're not pleased, they, 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 the things that they know uh, deep down is wrong, they go to this place of shame 
where they start covering up. And so uh, this covering up can be more destructive than productive. And how do people cover themselves today? A covering up happens in a number. That's a very good question, Melissa, because we, we think of Adam and Eve covering themselves with these leaves. But people cover themselves today in a number of ways. And sometimes it's by hiding, literally withdrawing from their partner, refusing to be, to engage in intimacy because of shame. And sometimes these shames are things that happen even outside of the relationship from childhood. People who carry shame literally hide uh, away from each other because they, they feel that uh, if, they are, if they become intimate, then it, it reinforces the shame. It reinforces this feeling that there is something wrong with me Why I'm in engaging in this act. People hide behind food, uh, comfort eating, uh, weight sometimes is a way of people are literally hiding their true self beside the, the excess weight that they're carrying. And so the shame results in hiding behind food. Uh, people hide behind alcohol. They hide behind uh, taking drugs because they can't deal with the shame of who they who they are, and so instead of uh, turning to God and repenting of the sin as God intended and acknowledging what's wrong, they sometimes hide behind all of these other things, all of these things plus more things uh, as well. So, what other insights can we gain from Adam and Eve with the short time we have left? Well, I think another important point that we should talk about today is the element of temptation. Because uh, we we tend to want to to immunize ourselves and our children against temptation. And I see a lot of Christian couples who come to me in tears and they will say, well, we did everything right. We homeschooled our children. You know, we had devotions three times a day. Uh, and everything we did, everything we brought them up in in church. We never missed church for a day, and now our children have turned away from God. And I think the important lesson that we should learn is that it is impossible to immunize ourselves and our children against temptation, and that we cannot take the blame, like when our children are stray, we, we cannot take the blame for that, because God did everything right with Adam and Eve. He was the perfect parent. He, he had devotions with them every day, literally. The strongest spiritual relationship is seeing God face to face every day. He provided everything, and yet they still stray. And so an insight for couple is that if you have things going wrong in your relationship, you shouldn't turn your attention right away to say, you know, if only we were more spiritual, this would not happen. Because uh, you could be the most spiritual being on the planet, you will still have temptation. And so you can't also immunize your ch- children. And I think another lesson for for parents is that you cannot immunize your children against temptation. You can homeschool them all you want, and you can uh, send them to Christian school, but temptation comes from within. And so even though Adam and Eve Adam and Eve had it perfectly, they still fell into 
temptation. So I think uh, we should just accept temptation as a reality. And temptation also, the snake, symbolizes that temptation is very subtle. And it often doesn't look like temptation because a snake in a tree is not something that you see right away until you're too close to it. And so even the fact that God uses this analogy of a snake uh, to represent temptation is something we can learn from and draw insight from us couples because temptation sometimes creeps up on us unaware and so we should be prepared to deal with it and we can't immunize ourselves from that because we live in a fallen world. And I see that we are quickly out of time for today. So that's part one of the series. Remember that this is a three-part series. Today we have looked at Adam and Eve, but next week we are going to turn ourselves our attention to part two and look at the relationship of Abraham and Sarah. So in in case you joined the show late and you wanted to listen to the first part of it, you can find this show by going to our website at elimcounselingministry.com. Elim is spelled E-L-I-M, counseling with two L's, ministry. Remember also the healing retreat that is coming up on the 17th of November 2017. And be sure to register early because space is quickly filling up. But Melissa, I want to thank you again for doing such a good job of raising these uh, questions and uh, exploring this issue in such a detailed way. You're welcome and I look forward to next time. And I want to thank all our listeners for joining us today. And until next time, I pray for you all that God... God would bless you in all your relationships and keep you sound in mind and pure in heart. Mm-hmm.